Welcome to Conversations with Z and Vindesh, a weekly dialogue that explores common life challenges and offers practical solutions. Learn more at thedispassionateobserver.com. That's T-H-E-D-I-S-P-A-S-S-I-O-N-A-T-E-O-B-S-E-R-V-E-R.com. Today, we're talking about a concept known as investing in loss. And Z, you and I have worked with a lot of different people. We've seen that as people struggle to find happiness, they're always searching for more. So they want more money. They want to go out and shop and buy new shiny jewelry or new cars or new homes. If that doesn't work out, it's let's find the new therapy, uh, the new workout regimen. And oftentimes, regardless of how much we have, it doesn't seem to help. And we keep on trying more and more. We run harder. We run faster. People have hit their limits. What more can we do? The answer to that isn't what more, what less we can do. We have to understand that there is only so much that can be contained in the gross body of a human life. What do I mean by that? You have so much stuff and so little time. You have the house note, the car note, the this, the that, the trend following, and you have X amount of energy coming in on a regular basis due to your efforts. So it's not about getting more energy in, getting more uh, work hours in, getting more dollars in the bank. It's about needing less. How can I divest from energy consumption and invest in loss. Investing in loss is a term used in Taoism, to invest in loss. What can I let go of that allows my life to be less encumbered? There's an old movie called Lifeboat that stars an old movie star named uh, Marlena Dietrich. And in this film, there is a scene in which the ocean liner they're on gets sunk by a a U-boat and they're adrift at sea in a small lifeboat. On that lifeboat, people have taken with them everything that they thought represented them in the world, everything of material value. Uh, Someone had jewelry and clothing, another person had certain documents, and somebody else had contracts, someone else had a uh, a valued uh, item. And over the period of time they were adrift at sea, each of them had to make a conscious decision to throw overboard that thing that they thought they couldn't live with so they could live another day. I think this is one of the most uh, sweetest examples of investing in loss. I need to let go of things so that I can move forward. We live now in a world that people have uh, such population density that you can ask any price for residence and people will, they will extend their hours of work, they'll forego family, friends, health in order to make the rent, in order to live in a highly populated area with minimal resources. And so their, their issue is how do I get more hours in? How do I make more money so I can be more uncomfortable, so I can live amongst more people pursuing the same thing that have fewer and fewer moments to enjoy it. So we must consider investing in loss, 
What can I let go of so that I can have this fluidity and freedom to move through my life? I must not add, but take away the weight, the burden, the drag, the parasitic losses of this uh, kind of uh, morbid consumerism. How do I opt out of that and find a way that I can do everything I want to do in life, but with less? This sounds like a radical concept, and in some ways, it's antithetical to everything in our society. I've been in the business world for a long time, and if we look at how corporations work, every year they set a budget, and that budget is based on what they did last year, how much money they made, plus some more. So you always want to make more money, increase your earnings, increase your share price. That's built into the fabric of our economy. If we think about the American dream, it's a dream of being able to satisfy any of your material desires. So you can have that house, you can have that pool, you can have that car, you can attend the parties. If you work hard enough, you can have that private plane. And these are the rewards that we aspire to. This is actually the evidence of a life well lived. If I've really succeeded, if I've made it, I've burned out every single desire. I've acquired every single thing that I could possibly want. Yet, Z, you're telling us that we should do the opposite. We should actually focus on divesting. If that's the case, how do we get it so wrong? And why is it that we look at having more as a sign of success? Well, Vin, what we hear constantly, what's always hammered into our subconscious is more is better. Winning is best. And if more is winning, then winning is everything. So this is a, a false narrative. This is a, a, a malthought. This is a, a dysfunctional uh, algorithm of the brain. Uh, consider you see the Olympics and a person wins a gold medal in the Olympics, uh, one of the highest achievements in human athleticism where people gather from around the world and they compete against the best until there's a single winner, the gold medalist. And oftentimes a reporter will run up and says, what are you going to do next? Are you going to get more gold medals? Well, what is the value of the gold medal if you need more, if you need another one? The same way with any material thing we acquire we long and desire for a particular car. If I get that car, I will feel wonderful and I will feel amazing. And you get that car and after some time, a few months or a few years, it's just an old car. And now you're looking for that next thing to uh, fulfill this desire. Or you reach a certain level in your career and uh, you say, okay, what's the next step? But as the Taoists say, true success is when you're at peace with where you're at. We need to find out what it is that is our place of serenity. We don't need more things. For every other thing we get, you need more space, more management of that energy, more time with that. You look in your closet and there are so many shoes that you have never worn. You have too much stuff. There's no open space for air to circulate. There's no open space for the mind to be clear. You look in your closet and the 
bar holding the clothes are buckling or broken because you have so many clothes when you can only wear the clothes on your back that day at that time and you only need really a few things and none of those things define you in one way or another in the grand scheme of life. Get rid of, invest in loss. If the expenses of your life are overburdening, don't figure out a way to make more money. Figure out a way to reduce those expenses. Maybe move away from this crowded place. Move to a quiet place where the cost of living is less, where the congestion is less, not more. We will not get more time. Your time is the most precious thing in your life that you have is your time. So don't waste your time working in order to not have time. Let's talk about something that holds a lot of us back. This concept of investing in loss, many of us can relate to. I think especially for those of us who live in cities, we've seen the same phenomenon where the price of everything goes up. The cost of just staying in place becomes higher and higher in terms of the amount of time that we're working, in terms of the amount of money we need to send our kids to school, to buy a nice house, to remain socially competitive. At the same time, our anxiety is increasing. We feel like we're not keeping up, that we're falling behind, that we're not good enough. And the idea of just stepping off of that treadmill and investing in loss for a lot of people would resonate. In a sense, it might be a breath of fresh air or it would be a huge relief to just say, let me not do this. If I think about what holds people back, a lot of it is fear. And that fear could be, if I don't keep up, who am I? What am I? What is the point of my life? Am I suddenly a failure? Have I given up? Is that just a story that I'm telling myself that I should step off the treadmill because I'm not strong enough to compete? I'm not strong enough to keep on moving forward? Z, what are your thoughts on this fear that keeps us running in place? And what are some of the ways to address it? As you know, Vin, I'm real big on narrative. Um, the yantra of life, the blueprint people lay forward, how we speak about things. You said something and it just, it flowed so well, but it was so wrong. Socially competitive. You want to remain socially competitive. What the hell does that mean? We need to just stop right there and say, what does that mean to be socially competitive? That means to compare yourself to others, to judge, grade, standardize yourself by other people. So that in itself will lead you down such uh, a path of destruction that um, you will lose everything you've worked for because you can never keep up with your neighbors if you imagine your life being judged by the neighbors. It is said that if you seek others' approval, you'll always be their slave. So the first thing we want to do is not seek the approval of others. Be okay with yourself, whatever that is. You said something else about you want your children to go to the best schools. Well, what they found is that the best school, the absolutely best school your children could go to is between their mom and dad. The information that is shared between the mom and dad are the best schools those children will ever have. So education and schooling starts first with you, the parent. And then when they go into the outside world, they have the tools to navigate through all the other things as they're being domesticated, programmed, and socialized into the schools that you wish them to be. But inevitably, 
you are their first teacher. So you can invest in letting go of this idea that there is the right school. It is very true that a lot of the things we do don't make a lot of sense when you think about it. If we're always comparing ourselves to others, to your point, we're slaves. And worse than that, we're going to make sure that we're always miserable because we're not going to keep up with our expectations of their expectations. We don't even know what they think, but we always imagine that we're falling behind. Even if we're on top, we worry that we're going to encounter someone who has more or we're going to lose what we have. So this idea of constant comparison is a game that we're guaranteed to lose. I think the challenge comes back to human nature. If I look at a lot of the way the people operate in different realms of life, whether it's investing or whether it's social situations, people are perfectly fine failing if they fail in good company. I can be wrong. As long as everyone else around me is also wrong, I haven't done anything wrong. It's not my fault. I'm not going to look stupid. I can't go back and blame myself for failing my children, failing my family, whatever it is. And part of where that fear comes from is if we step outside of what's commonly accepted and we live by our own standards and we're wrong about that, then we're always going to beat ourselves up for making the wrong decision. Or we're afraid that other people are going to look at us and say, how could you be so foolish? How could you not give your children the best education? Why would you want to step out of this great city with so many things to do and go and live in the middle of nowhere? You're going to be bored. You're going to lose the richness, the texture of life. So that fear keeps us in place. And I know, I appreciate the points you've made. I do think that it is a form of insanity, but it's a form of insanity that's insidious and it's very difficult to break because we're surrounded by this all the time. So even if we recognize that it's insane, how do we develop the fortitude and the conviction in our own judgments about life, our own judgments of what constitutes value to step away from this search for more and to start investing in loss? When you don't think or you ignore knowledge or light, that's known as ignorance. So ignorance keeps us on that rat wheel of pursuing the validation of others uh, looking to others to see if we're okay or not okay. That is ignorance. So whenever you're not thinking, whenever you are not discerning, you're not in a, the Buddha consciousness, the discriminating mind, then you are subject to the perils of ignorance. So you will find yourself investing more and more of your life force, your life resources in paying to this barker of values, this validator that really doesn't exist. You'll say that I need to give my children more of everything, but historically we have found that's not what children need. We, we don't need the most elaborate parties, the endless activities. It's actually hurting our children. Children do not have time to play or develop or grow or, or uh, enjoy critical thinking. We have a new generation coming up that has the highest uh, percentage of mental health problems ever. And they have the most things in their life. They have an endless amount of things in their life, but they have such a limited amount to do. 
we move forward and you talk about acceptance. What will others think? That theme keeps coming up, which again, mired in ignorance. We cannot control what others think. People will think what they think. Invest in loss. Let them go. People that love you will love you in spite of whatever measure is put forth. They will, like a parent, will love their children whether they have excelled or have not excelled at something. So too we should be that way, be open-hearted with one another, accept people for who, what, and where they are in their life. No one is here to live their life for another person. Even if they want to, they can't do it. No matter what you do with your life, when you give it over to another, will never be enough. So with that knowledge, invest in loss. Let that go and move forward in your life. Um, look at things that truly bring you serenity. You say that people say, well, we'll lose everything living in the city. No, you're more than likely to lose everything living in the city. You won't lose things leaving the city. You will lose things in the city. It takes more energy. It has a bigger environmental footprint to stay in the city. You have to burn more cash, burn more fuel, burn more uh, mental energy, burn more neurons. Um, and you got caught up into this lemming-like dance, this erotic lemming orgy of going, going, more, more, going, more, new sales, this sales, and you need nothing. Ask the average city dweller, what is it that they're longing for? What is it that they need that they are lacking? Nothing. Western culture is now at the most obese ever known. The average American is walking around 40% overweight, overweight, 40% more calories than you need or can even process. You don't need more food. You don't need more dietary things. You don't need more anything. You need less of everything. And the more you clear that space, the more you unencumber nature and the circumstances and you, of the universe will provide for you the things you need. Open space is a good thing. Less clutter in your home. The whole principles of feng shui simply boils down to the idea that things can go and flow and, and, and go and come and move just as easily and unencumbered as possible, just as fluid as possible, unobstructed flow. So you look around your environment and it's too much. It's literally too much stuff. That reflects what's going on in the mind. I know when my house is cluttered with things and my desk has too many projects on it that I am no longer functioning at my full potential. I know when my schedule is too booked that I am no longer able to offer my services to the highest level. So I must invest in loss. I don't need to add things. I need to take away. I don't need to hire another person. I need to find a way that we don't need more. So we don't want to keep adding weight to that lifeboat. We want to unencumber, we want unencumber that lifeboat. We want to get rid of weight. We want to uh, get rid of the ballast. We want that boat to float. The lifeboat is you. You need to float your boat. So the way we think about things, you pointed, you made so many points, Vin, and, and this whole fear of being liked, uh, the fear of being left behind, the fear of, of no approval. There's a lot of fear based on hoarding, right? So accumulation is about hoarding. 
And we know as an animal, when we begin to hoard, it is because we've triggered something in our fight or flight mechanism that says we need to hunker down for the long, cold winter. So we need more stuff, more things, more clothes. We start to store more fat. Our cortisol levels go up and store more. We store more resentment. The more resentment we store, the less happiness we can have because happiness is in the moment. Then we store bad memories. We store grudges. There are some people I know have a list of grudges, a list of slights, uh, social slights that they've experienced. And they go through a list. So I went to this restaurant, I was mistreated. I got in this Uber and I was mistreated. They have a list that they just keep going. When you break it down, it was really, it was uneventful. But because they hoard and they are investing in more, that's part of it. So now you need more places to keep the things you've hoarded. You become like the bag people or the hoarders that we, are, we despise on the uh, various shows. They show the hoarders that just have old newspapers, old memories. People's homes get burned in the fire. And they say, well, we lost everything. And I think about, no, you didn't lose everything because you're being interviewed about your loss. The fact that you're standing there holding, embracing, and hugging your loved ones, you lost very little. Now, had you lost them, you would have lost everything. But you didn't lose your loved ones. What I told a client of mine, she had lost her home in a flood. And she was sitting uh, between her two loving sons and her three adoring grandchildren. And they were waiting on her hand and foot, and she was in tears saying, oh, I lost everything in the house. I lost pictures of the boys. I lost the pictures of my grandkids. I said, well, pull out your camera and get some new ones. You didn't lose a damn thing. There are people that don't have loving relatives. They don't have adoring children and offspring. They don't have anyone. You have everything, so you lost nothing. Invest in loss so you can actually see what you have. This point that you brought up about people who've been through floods, fires, who've lost all their possessions, and they're interviewed on TV, and they're crying, and they're devastated, and they're saying, how am I going to go on? What they've really lost is perspective. They've lost a perspective on what is important and fundamental versus what is transient and immaterial. And I think that's part of the challenge around this investing in loss concept. If we don't have principles to guide us, to tell us what constitutes a good life, what constitutes success and contentment, then we just tend to grab and we grab more and more and our definition of success becomes how much can we accumulate. If we're able to keep in mind what's truly important, what's fundamental, what contributes to our humanity, our satisfaction, our collective evolution, then I think it becomes easier to divest everything else. And we can clearly say, this is something we need on the one hand. Everything else, it's nice to have. Maybe it serves a purpose for a period of time. But if it starts to drain my time and drain my energy, I'm going to get rid of it. And frankly, I'm going to do it without a second thought because I know it doesn't affect what's really fundamental to me. So being able to anchor in what's fundamental can help us invest in loss. How do you think about that? How would you advise people or what would you say are really the things that they should focus on, that make life worth living. What do you have and what do you need? If you get on a scale and you see that you are of reasonable weight, you don't need more food. You look around your closet, you're not longing for clothing, 
you have a business, a job, some form of income, whatever that may be, your belly is full, you have a roof over your head, uh, then everything else is dessert. Everything else is a plus. Maybe you have uh, people that like you, or maybe even a couple of people that love you. Do you need more than that? Ask yourself, if you didn't have it, how would you feel? If you didn't have those fundamental things, how would life be? So you don't need more stuff. I have rarely met anyone outside of a war zone or natural catastrophe that needed anything. And even those people shortly after the natural disaster or catastrophe or shortly after the event, their life went back to normal. So let's be very careful when we think about what we need and be aware of what we want. It is what you want that will guide you down uh, the path of, of consumerism. There's always something new to want. Uh, a new thing, a new car, a new person in your life, because the old thing is familiar and you're used to it. So it's not that you need anything, it's that you want something. And that want comes from not being anchored in uh, reality. It's not being anchored in the now. You're not anchored. So you're constantly jumping, literally monkey barring, or like a gymnast swinging from one apparatus to another, looking for that next thing that you need to acquire so that inevitably you can rest. You see the madness in that? See, you, you have to, again, starting with the mantra of, I'm going to invest in loss. I'm not going to ask what more I can have, what less I can have. How can I let go of something? How can I empty the vessel, not fill it more? How can I clear my space, not add space to it? Go through your closet at home. If you haven't used or worn something in some time, give it away, throw it away. If you see yourself going out shopping, ask yourself, do I really need that? And if I do need it, what will, what will it replace? So you go, if you get it, then take whatever you bought home and get whatever it replaced and throw it out. See, nature loves fluidity. Nature loves things that move in cycles and harmony, the ebb and flow of things. So it's never one way. So if I add something to it, I'm going to take something away from it. If I get one of these, I'm going to get rid of two of those. Just that exercise in itself will begin uh, the journey of being a great, what would you call it in the legal term, a great divester? Would that be a good way to put it? You'd be a great divester of things that burden your life, divesting from things that burden your life, investing in loss. Some of what you describe would be funny if it weren't so tragic. One of the things you said, you talked about the madness of going from rung to rung which is the opposite of investing in loss. A different way of thinking about this is that investing in loss leads us to focus on the present, focus on what's happening right now. And if I understand you correctly, that's enough. If we can truly be present, truly appreciate what we have, 
and align ourselves with the natural flow of life, that's an enjoyable experience. We don't need anything more than that. The irony and the tragedy is that we've dismissed that. We've decided that being in the present is not enough. We need more. So we're going from rung to rung to rung. Yet we've decided that without ever experiencing what it's like to be in the present. It's like having a bar of gold and we've decided that it's worthless without ever looking at it and examining it and getting a feel for what it is, for what its potential is. And that to me is tragic because it means that we can go through our entire life in this mode without ever really living. Here in our natural universe, the physics of our natural universe has taught us something about investing in loss on so many levels. One of them is, Vin, that you mentioned a bar of gold. That bar of gold has no caloric value to a human being. A starving man could do no more with a bar of gold than he could a, a, a wish and the hope of a meal. But we have decided that that bar of gold has a great value. We have come to a collective agreement that gold is worth something. Thus, we give it value and we work towards it and we, we motivate uh, energy and experiences in order to acquire gold. We do all manners of things to acquire the gold because we have decided as a collective society and a collective humanity that it has a value. Yet our universe teaches us also another lesson. Modern technology has shown that by investing in loss of resistance, certain metals allow the free movement of electrons in such a way that very little heat is created so that we can uh, inspire the workings of all of our technology with less and less energy. So it takes less energy to do the work when you don't have encumberment, when you don't have parasitic losses, when you're not wasting energy doing something else. So less, less gets you more for the same price. It costs more to carry an excessive load than a light load. So carry a lighter load in every area of your life Look to carry a lighter load. Take less with you. Get rid of things that clutter you. Let go of old resentments. Let go of old narratives. They're like mildewing books in the corner. If they don't work for you, if they don't support you, and you're simply carrying them around, it is, it is making you sink. You must throw it overboard. You must get rid of it. I speak to people sometimes who carry resentment from year to year. Anger, bad experiences. It's over. It's done. Move on with your life. Float freely. Go forth in your journey without this weighing you down, this anchor around your neck as you try to swim upstream. So don't try to make more do more with what you have. When you're trying to make more, you always have a sense of angst, and you'll always have that sense that it's not enough. You'll, you'll find yourself ever involved in this 
idea of depravity that I, I need, I, I'm lacking, I'm lacking. And you realize you have everything. You have everything you need. Your children will be fine if you do your best as a parent. They will be as good as they're going to be no matter what. You don't compare them to the neighbors or anyone else. At the end of life, you look and say, I did my best with my child. I love them with an open heart. I spent this much quality time. That's it. Ask any adults to reflect upon their childhood. What do they remember? Do they remember school fights and, and auditioning for first grade? Those were never the high points of anyone's life. Do they remember the parents arguing and at the verge of divorce, debating on should it be uh, this hoity-toity school or that hoity-toity school? The kids didn't want any of that. So how did we get mired in this sewage of overabundance? Is the Dow up? Is the Dow up? Well, where's the, where's the damn roof? So I don't know if it's up unless you can show me where the roof is. Maybe it's actually going down. Maybe we're actually going down because you haven't shown me what the roof is. So are we headed to the floor? We're headed to the roof. Show me where the roof is so I'll know where I'm at. But don't just keep lifting it and lifting it. That is unsustainable. People want more time on earth. You're not going to get more time. Enjoy the time you have. There are people that are constantly looking for ways to extend their life. For what reason? You're not interesting. You're, you, you've done everything. You're taking up air at this point. Be graceful in life. Let go, let go, live out your days, your hours, your years gracefully, elegantly. Don't take more, don't add more, don't hoard. People are investing inordinate amounts of money in things to do after I die. I saw some article, things you can do after you die. Look, look, you're dead. What part don't you understand? You're no more. Don't invest in things that will happen when you're dead or after you're dead. That is a waste of time, energy, and resources. If you must invest in things after you're dead, send it to me and I have a dead fund. Upon your death, uh, the money will go somewhere. Okay? That's how ridiculous. Do you see how ridiculous that sounds? So we have to invest in life. We have to let go, lighten our load with each other, uh, with our health. Uh, people say, what more can I do to get in shape? You don't have to do more. You just have to be consistent with a little bit. Consistency. Doesn't require more. Consistency. How about that? They said, well, is there more? No. Well, what more can I do with my diet? Should I try the paleo, the Pritkin, the Atkins? What should I do? None of those. Do less. Eat less. That's the trick. The trick to being healthy, losing weight, eat less. Don't add more. Eat less. Well, I have so many bills. Stop buying stuff. Stop. You don't need anything else. Get rid of your credit card. You don't need anything else. Well, when I'm on vacation and I want more stimulation, stay at home. Stay at home. Just stop. Stop. Invest in letting go. You have so much right available to you. The other day, uh, uh, my wife and I went on a vacation and rented a room two miles from the house. Great room. Great view of the ocean. Forgot where we're at. I woke up. I thought I was in Europe or Somewhere, I thought I was in a resort. You had to tell me, no, you're two blocks from the house. I said, this is great. What was different? Well, I let go of my schedule. I let go of uh, stress. I let go of uh, planning the next month's activities. 
and I treat it like a vacation and just simply by letting go, taking a breath, I felt like I went on a world tour. Wonderful vacation. Investing in loss. That's the key. Wow. You certainly kicked our listeners in the ass. <laughs> Let's give everyone just a moment to recover. And I'll offer another interpretation of investing in loss. A lot of times people view this as a trade-off, a trade-off between being successful and ambitious but stressed out versus being average, being mediocre, failing in life, living a life of leisure, and being happy and relaxed. And if you have that trade-off, some people might say, fine, I want to be happy and relaxed. A lot will say, I can't fail. I can't be that mediocre person. Don't think of it as a trade-off. One of the things I've learned in my life, and I've seen this with my children, I've seen it at work, is when we're always searching for more, we lose perspective. We lose an ability to rely on our own judgment and even determine what we need to do to meet our objectives. So Z, you talked about children, and let's say that our objective is to raise the most intelligent, the most well-rounded, the most the children with the most self-esteem that we possibly can do. If we're always focused on more, we're just going to drive them from activity to activity to activity. We're going to completely miss the fact that we're burning them out, that we're making them anxious, that they're starting to do drugs on the side because they can't cope with all the stress. We actually defeat our own objectives. I've seen this at work. In the corporate world, we have people who are terrified that if they don't do more, number one, they're not going to get ahead. Number two, people will realize that they're imposters. They don't deserve to have a job. They're going to be fired. So they're driven by insecurity. And in doing that, you end up doing a lot of useless activities. You forget about the bigger picture. You lose the ability to see opportunities and to effectively align your work and your activities with whatever you're trying to achieve. I found that the less that I do at work, the more ruthless I am about managing my time and focusing only on what's important to achieving my objectives, the better I do and the more time I have and the more time I can step back and think about what's really important. I would encourage people to not think about investing in loss as a trade-off, but think of it as a win-win. On the one hand, we get rid of all of these things that drain our time and our energy and make us anxious. And on the other hand, whatever it is we're doing, we can operate more effectively and we can actually have a greater impact and more success in our lives. Well, Vin, you hit it and you made me think of the, the three horsemen of the auto apocalypse, which is insecurity, egocentrism, and ignorance. And those will drive you and guide you into this high investment model, this high consumerism. Remember, one of the key to consumerisms is fear. Fear, ignorance. Add a little bit of egocentrism, and you have lost complete control of your life. Consume, 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 until you cannot digest, cannot breathe, cannot be burdened. You say, well, mediocrity, is that so bad? Ask yourself, is it so bad? What does that mean, that somebody measured you to be less than them? or above them? Who are these judges? Do you admire them? 
Do you want to be like them? Are they stars of reality shows? What, what do you mean? Who's judging high and low? Or is there someone uh, in the limelight that you aspire to be like? Have you looked into their lives and said, yeah, hey, I want to be just like that celebrity. Compared to them, I'm mediocre. If that's a comparison, I can list 10 celebrities that I wouldn't want to be like. At least, I like who I am. I love me. So fall in love with yourself, and then however you judge yourself will be a little bit above mediocre. We strive in Taoism for serenity, to be in the middle of, to be still. That is true serenity, is to be able to observe the goings-on around you but know yourself while you're in it. So I would really challenge people to look again at this idea that mediocrity is a bad thing. It is a measure of something compared to what? Find out what you're measuring yourself by. Change the metric so it's to your advantage. Real simple, real simple. Invest in loss, something else you can let go of. And be careful of egocentrism, uh, ignorance, and insecurity. Z, we've covered a lot of ground. We've talked about the need to invest in loss, the frenzy that we get into when we're constantly searching for more. We've talked about some techniques to do that, starting with the mantra of, I need to invest in loss, coupled with an awareness of what do I actually need. Do you have any further advice beyond the mantra and the awareness to help people get started? Always identify. Before you can change anything, you have to identify the issue. Constantly, constantly seeking more is not sustainable. We live in an era where there is no longer right or wrong, up or down, true or false. The only question in our era now, is it sustainable? Is it sustainable for you to continue to consume, consume, gather more and more? It is not sustainable. We are still bound by the natural physics of our universe, by Bohl's Law of Thermodynamics. Everything costs something. So turn down the heat, cool your socks, try to relax, take stock of what you have, and know that everything in this material world is impermanent. And rest in that knowledge. Invest in loss. Thanks, E. And thanks, everyone, for joining us today. Let's make sure that we opt out of the constant search for more, opt out of comparing ourselves to other people, exercise our judgment and our ability to think independently, and really try to ground ourselves in the mindset of investing in loss. Join us at the DPO. Uh, join us in the opt-out movement. And stay out uh, on the lookout for more tools and techniques that you can use to enhance the quality of your life. If you enjoyed the show, please consider leaving a review on Podbean, iTunes, or your favorite podcasting app. Every five-star review allows us to share more unique and insightful content. Learn more at thedispassionateobserver.com. Thanks for listening, and please tune in again next week. Peace.